Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Do we have any Bible-believing people up in here today? Do we have any Holy Ghost-filled people up You ready to go home already? I said, do we have any Holy Ghost-filled If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? Anybody have that testimony today? Father, we honor you and we glorify you. I thank you, first of all, above all else, that we live in the United States of America. And all the freedoms that that entails, that we're able to gather together, assemble together this morning without fear of persecution. Well, we don't take that lightly today, sir. And second of all, I thank you for this house, this, this gathering, this, this body of believers here at faith. And I thank you, Father, that their ears are open, their hearts are ready to receive that which you have entrusted into me today. I yield my members to you as according to the word of God. I yield my hands, my feet, my mouth, my ears. Speak through me and only let me say that what you want me to say. May I do what I see you do. And I thank you, Father, that I'm anointed at a level the world and the church has never seen all for the glory of God. I thank you, Father, that in the name of Jesus, under the sound of your voice coming through me today, mountains will be removed. Burdens will be broken. Healing will come to lives. And it will be a defining moment in the lives of these, your precious people. We honor you. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done thus far in our lives. But, Lord, I know the best is yet to come. I know that you're you're sending your son on clouds of glory very soon. Jesus is coming soon. And, Father, may we be ready. May we be pulling as many people into the kingdom as possible. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' mighty name. What key are we in? F. Uh, how about D? Let's try D. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful. personal say I turn my eyes I turn my eyes upon Jesus I look full I look
whatever pressure you came in with this morning, whatever stress you came in with this morning, come on, just as an act so you can see something happen, I want you to put it in your hands just like this. The Word of God says, casting all your care upon him because he careth for you. In the Greek, it has the, the connotation or the understanding, allowing God to be your beast of burden. If you were walking in the desert and you had a donkey or you had a camel and you had all the packs on your own back, but you had a perfectly good camel and you had a perfectly good donkey to hold that load for you, you would look a little silly. He said, allow me to be your beast of burden. Allow me to hold that, which you're trying to hold and take care of. Cast it over on me. And it, it, it actually gives, like, cast it fast. Hurry up and cast it. Don't carry it for one second, one moment. So we're going to do this. We're going to sing it again. And when you're ready to let it go and let the master take care of it. Let the master hold it and do what the master can only do. I want you to throw it up, push it over, whatever, whatever motion works for you. So that when we hear the word today, we can be fully clear and ready to receive that which he has for us. Amen. So here we go in the line. I turn my with it than what you can do with it yourself. Hallelujah. Why don't you high five two people say, welcome to church this morning. Hallelujah. Our Father is wonderful. I'm so thankful to be on the winning side. I don't like to lose. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Pastor Carrick, First Lady, I honor you. Thank you so much for inviting me to come. You know, you never know after you preach for people one time, you're like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I go and buy me that. <laughs> and so I'm very thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful to be with you today. The Lord has good things in store for you. Doesn't matter what your past look like. Doesn't matter what your mama's past look like. Doesn't matter what your daddy's past look like. He's got good, store, good things in store for you. Um, if, how, how many cruise folk do we have in here today that went on the cruise with me? If you missed it, you missed half your life. We had a really good time. We had a very, very good time. It was a ladies' cruise, but there were a lot of dudes on that cruise. So I know. <laughs> Pastor Deborah, she's like, she was there. She said, she goes, I like this cruise, but Bishop, he doesn't like to be on the cruise. He can't use his cell phone. So maybe that's why you didn't come. You couldn't use your cell phone. But, um, again, it's an honor to be here, and I'm so thankful. Um, a little bit about me. How many of you have never heard of me before in your whole born days? Okay, most everybody. So, <clears throat> um, I grew up in a ministry family. My grandmother um, is um, been blessed by the Lord to be a, really a general to our generation in this time. Her name is uh, Dr. Billy Brim. And um, I'm so thankful to uh, be in that heritage of faith. 
and I'm so thankful for what God has done through that. And you would think, you know, with that upbringing that I would have come up roses and everything would have been fine and dandy. And a lot of people believe that ministry kids don't really go through anything. Well, uh, you know, tell the truth, shame the devil, and tell the devil to shut up because that's not the facts. And um, I, Cliff Notes version of my testimony, I was um, molested as a child from the age six to really about six to eight years old by an ex-uncle, <clears throat> and I hid that for most of my life. I, uh, it didn't manifest until I was in my 20s, till after I'd graduated Rama. Um, sometimes if you don't handle stuff, then it starts to pop out. And um, I found myself at the bottom of the bottom in the state mental facility in the state of Texas with a diagnosis of a personality disorder and um, told that I would never be cured, told that this is the type that people didn't even like to counsel, uh, do therapy on, that I'd, I'd forever be on medication. I was just going to be, this is just how I was, I'm going to have to learn to cope. And um, depression would be a, an everyday struggle that I would have to deal with. So I, in the middle of this um, state mental facility on suicide watch, I had just had a strip search where they, I mean, like the name says, they strip you, and make sure that you don't have anything on your person that's going to be a harm to yourself or anybody else. And I thought, oh, well, at least I'll get a, lo- a, a warm bed because at that time I'd sabotaged all the relationships that I had and I was homeless in a Honda. I joke that I wasn't doing workout tapes by Fonda in the middle of that. <laughs> all my Vanilla Ice Ice fans. All right. So... <laughs> So um, I thought, well, at least I'll get a warm bed. I'll be able to, you know, take a shower, all that goodness. But they don't give you that when you're in that spot. So I was in a big room about this size. They gave me a wooden chair and a blanket and um, told me they were just going to watch me. Well, there was other certifiably crazy people in that room. So it kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I pulled my chair to the corner with my blanket. I was on the 24-hour suicide wa- uh, Well, it started 24 and then went a little longer. But... And every so many minutes uh, and hours, you know, you would have some kind of staff come around and check on you, give you your medication, do that, this, that, and the other. And I sat in that room, and I saw a man who was really struggling, bless his heart. He was having a full-on conversation with his hand, and his hand was answering back to him. And um, just people hurting, just a hurting place. Um, all of them wanted to kill themselves. That's why they were there. All of them been lied to by the devil. And I sat there, and the, the psychiatrist came around, and he was doing rounds. And he looks at my chart, and this is before digital charts. He had a clipboard. And he hits it like this, and he said, Kylie Oaks, Kylie Oaks, Kylie Oaks. Um, now, granted, at this point, I had, hadn't talked to my family in three years, and I'd actually put out a, a restraining order against them because just in case they wanted to kidnap me, I just want to make sure that they couldn't do that, cast the devil out of me, all those things, you know. So, so um, my mom didn't know if I was dead or alive, and, and um, just life, right, just life. Um, I had graduated from Rama already, so you would think that, you know, I'd know better too, but how many of you know it's not about what you know, it's about what you do? You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't put the word of God into action, you're going to, you're going to live a defeated life. And the devil doesn't play just for a little bit. He plays for keeps. He plays to win. He's out, as we know, to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy your family. But how many of you know also we have an advocate who went before us with the precious blood of Jesus? And you're not fighting for victory today. You're fighting from victory. So in that room, on that wooden chair, with that blanket, with that psychiatrist that goes, Kylie Oaks, Kylie Oaks, Kylie Oaks, um... Aren't you Billy Brim's granddaughter? I came to a realization. First, I was hacked. I was really mad. I didn't want to be Billy Brim's granddaughter. I wanted to be Kylie. This is my name. This is what I was born into. That's what's on my birth certificate. I don't want to be identified as anybody else. This is me. That's what the devil said. But then I realized I can run, but you can't hide. You can run from the plan of God, the call of God. The devil can use all the brokenness he can to to steer you off course. You can run, but you can't hide. And so, slowly but surely, the Lord gave me a plan to, on how I was to get free and stay free. And slowly but surely, I came out of it, and I can tell you today, it is no longer an issue. 
But I decided I'm taking a lot of people with me in the road to freedom. So I'm very thankful. Super, super thankful. So I got contacted by a publishing company, and they said, hey, we want your testimony. We want your story. Why don't you write a book? And I thought back to the, when I was homeless in a Honda, didn't have the money to even get a bottle of water or anything to eat, was going from soup, soup kitchens to bathing in, in um, gas stations, all of this stuff. And I thought, who would have thought? Less than 10, well, about 12 or 15 years later, I'd be writing a book for the same publishing company that publishes Kenneth Copeland Ministries book. You can run, but you can't hide. And it's not about what you know what to do. So this is available in the back um, for $10. And I, I wrote it at about a third grade level. Because um, when I was coming out of that situation, I couldn't sit down and read certain books on the mind, we won't name any people, that are really thick. I couldn't do it. It wasn't, my, my, I wasn't clear enough to do it. And so I wanted something that you could, you could read. I mean, this is not like, you can read it literally if you sat down cover to cover. It's 100 pages and you could read it in about three hours. But also to go to as a reference point whenever you're feeling that panic come, whenever you're fe feeling that fear come. I talk about in here how to forgive. How did I forgive the man who molested me? How did I forgive the, the two men that raped me later on in life? How did I forgive that? How do I get free from that and quit allowing that to dictate who I'm going to be and what, my, what I'm going to be? So I encourage you. We just have a few left. Um, Pastor Carrick... Do you want to tell the announcement now or later? He's hooking up you, you in the youth group, so um, be happy about that. I purchased for every uh, teenager that's at church today a copy of that book. Amen. Look at God. You know, if I, if I would have had something like this that was real and honest and open and, and you know, I tell things that, not everybody can handle. Um, but if I, I believe if I would have had a resource like this, that things could have been different. Could have normalized the situation, realized that I wasn't alone, and, I, I, and I'm very thankful to God for what he's made it to be. We also have um, Kylie Gatewood Ministries has a weekly webcast on Facebook Live and Instagram Live that's turning into a podcast here shortly called Winning the Week. It's been crazy successful, and we just tackle those real-life issues, those daily, daily of the daily, things you're going through, whether you're a busy mom or you're a busy husband, and, and, and you're dealing with stuff. We have that conversation every Monday night, and those are on demand as well. So we invite you to, to join and connect with us on Monday nights. And then um, I'm very thankful just this year we released Two songs on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all those places that you can get them. So I encourage you to go just search Kylie Oaks Gateway and download them. I believe they'll be a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Repeat after me. Say, I have, I have. the spirit, the spirit. Of, wisdom of wisdom and revelation, revelation. in the knowledge, the knowledge of him. Okay. That the eyes of my understanding are flooded with light. That I may know. What is the hope of his calling towards me because I believe? Say it again like you mean it. Say, I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding are flooded with light that I may be able to know. What is the hope of his calling to us who believe? And I believe. How many of you believe that today? The eyes of our understanding are flooded with light. To know the hope of his calling. Somebody was, some people say, you know, I, there's just, just no, no way we can know what God, God has for us. There's just no way we can know. But there is. Because he said we can have the spirit of wisdom and the revelation. And to know. That word to know in the Greek means to become intimately acquainted with. So intimately acquainted with the knowledge of the hope that he has called you unto. That even if you see it in part, you can identify what it is. I have a secret for you today. 
If I wasn't going to be a preacher, I was going to be one of two things. I was going to be a forensic investigator because I had to give my, my CSI, my NCIS, my Olivia Pope, my um, all the things. I had to give that to Jesus because, like, that's just stuff that's, that intrigues me. That stuff intrigues me. Or I was going to be an ESPN sideline girl. I mean, use your imagination. Why? <clears throat> but I, I, these are two things that I really wanted to be. And I was thinking about this word to know. Um, it comes from the same root of the word intercourse. And, you know, a lot of preachers have said that you are intimate because, and they, they relay it to sex. They put it together with sex. I said sex in church. Y'all can just unclench right now. It's all right. <laughs> they, they, they relate it to sex and they're like, well, you know, because it's, it's that closeness. It's the closeness. Well, here's one thing I know. I know that there is a lot of relationships that have sex that still don't have closeness and still don't have intimacy. So to me, it's less about that and it's more about the time and the closeness that you spend to one another. Now think about, let's go NCIS and Olivia Pope for one second, okay? You can laugh, it's okay. <laughs> shake it, loosen it up. Everybody just kind of shake it a little bit. We're going to start the wave. Okay, ready. Here we go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> it's more about the closeness. You've seen in, in certain situations, or maybe you've watched a lot of TV like me, and, and they've, a spouse has had to come in and identify a body. And maybe some parts of that body are not recognizable, and, and, and so they have to come in and they identify, and they can identify that body by very little things, by a freckle on a shoulder, or the way that that finger looked, or that toenail, or, or like my husband, like, I didn't have to identify his body or anything, but he has a brand on his arm from back to when he was fried. So, so I would be able to identify, why? Because I've been close to him, and I paid attention. I saw with my eyes, and, and I also knew him, and so I was able to identify. The apostle Paul here is, pray, is praying that you would be able to see and that you would be able to know. That you would be able to be so close to the hope that God has called you to, that you would be able to identify it even if you only saw a small part of it. So many times we ask God for the big picture. We want the big picture. What's a big picture? I want the big picture. When he's saying, get so close, open your eyes so you see and you know, so that when you just see a little bit, you know. I don't need a big sign. I just know, oh, there's, that's it. That's it. I can identify with that. I'm going to run with that. I'm going to run with that. I'm, so there's something about this seeing and this knowing. It was so important to the Apostle Paul that, that this church in Ephesus, that they could see and they could know. Turn to your neighbor and say, to see and to know. And we know the spirit of seeing and knowing. I didn't say this in first service, but grant unto me, Father, the spirit of seeing and knowing. That should be a prayer on, on every believer's lips. Grant unto me, increase my ability to see and to know. That which you call me to, that, that which I'm supposed to do, my mom, is the creme de la creme of this. She, she wakes up in the morning and she said, Lord, where am I supposed to go today? And he usually says, the thrift store. I mean, like... I know, it doesn't sound super holy, but, but she goes, okay, Lord, so what thrift store should I go to today? And he'll tell her which one to go to. I'm not lying. Every time she goes there, she comes in contact with something or someone at a situation that needs to be changed by the presence of God. So she goes in, she, she, she it just goes in, I mean, you know, super holy, looking for some clothes and whatever, and the Lord will open up a door. An opportunity for her to minister to somebody. What is that? That's seeing and that's knowing. That's walking into what God has for you today. But also, on the flip side of that, the devil knows that you need to see and that you need to know. When you see and know something, you say it. And when you say it, that's when it becomes a reality in your life. That's when you frame the world that you live in with the words of your mouth. When God said, light be. And light was. What? Before he said that, he saw what he wanted to create. 
He knew he could create it with the words of his mouth. So he spoke and it became, it, it came into existence. That same creative power, as you know, because we, we are in the word of faith and we're supposed to know these things. That same, that same creative power is in your mouth and in my mouth. We have to see it. We have to know it. We have to release our mouth and then, the word, then it's created. The devil knows Mark eleven twenty three 23 as good as you do. He knows that if you see, there's the mountain. We don't ignore that the mountain is there. Can you repeat after me? I don't deny that the mountain is there, but I can see the mountain. I can speak to the mountain, and the mountain has to be cast into the sea. We have a lot of Christians that like to ignore that a mountain is there. Don't, I've gone to Medlin. Anyway. So the enemy knows this. He knows Mark eleven twenty three. 23. So he knows if he can get you to see something else and to know something else, then he can get you to say something else, and that's what's going to be created in your world. He likes to work it in the opposite. He likes to work faith in the opposite. Then fear is created, and, 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 and it's just every evil work after that. So me wanting to be uh, uh, an ESPN sideline girl, that came from my father. He, he's, he believed with all his heart that I would one day marry a man who liked football. And he was right. Let's, I'm glad he was prophetic or something. And he said, I don't want you to resent him wanting to come home, um, crack open a Diet Coke, and, and watch a football game. I want you to understand. I want you to understand the options of a quarterback. I want you to be involved. I want you to put on your, your unis and rah, rah, re, kick them in the knee. So, so he did. He taught me all of these things. And he, 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 I was super involved. And he would talk about how the teams would go and they would watch film on the opponent and how they knew, they knew the opponent's plays before they even got on the field. And they knew how the opponent would react in any given situation. Yes, they practiced on the field. Yes, they did what they needed to do. Yes, they practiced their fundamentals. But part of their getting ready for this, this big game was to study the opponent. And I think so many times, and, and maybe it's just because of how my personal way I grew up, but I didn't know a lot of the strategies of the enemy when I was growing up. I knew he wanted to steal, kill, and destroy. I knew God gave me life, gave it more abundantly till it overflowed. But I didn't realize some of the low things he does to try to get us off track. And so the father, in studying for this message, the sweet Holy Spirit, he's so faithful, and it's probably because he knows you today. He knows you're in, you're out, he knows it. Jesus knows it all. As my mama says, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows it. So he, he gave me four strategies. Or another word is you could say, we're going to crack open the devil's playbook today. Strategies of the enemy so that we can identify now think about it in the opposite of what I said earlier. So, you're so familiar with what some of the strategies that he tries to bring. When you see it in part, you'll be able to identify it before it becomes a thing. Does that make sense to anybody? And some of these we know, but I wanted to refresh you, refresh you on it this morning. So the number one, it's not necessarily in order, but it's, it's things I see. The enemy loves to draw our attention or draw our eyes because it's about seeing and knowing, right? He loves to draw our attention or draw our eyes to how I compare to someone else. The comparison of me to them. We see it from the top to the bottom. We see it from the president to the person that's, that's doing Changing tires or something. We see how the enemy likes to take what you do and compare it to somebody else. And tell you how you're not good enough. You're not as good as them. You're not smart enough. You're not as smart as them. He likes to use the, the tactic of comparison to keep you low. Comparison, comparing one another to one another on where you think you should be. Now, comparison feeds low self-image. 
And low self-image feeds jealousy. Which jealousy then feeds division. And in James chapter 2, we can turn there if you like. We have a little time. James chapter 2. Hebrews, James. James fell out of my Bible, y'all. There. There you are. Hi, James. Where strife, 2 verse 16, where strife and division is, there is every evil work. So he knows the, the, the strategist of the enemy knows if he can get you to compare yourself to another person, then he can open the door, just a little foothold, to allow the possibility for every evil work to accompany that. Say, oh, no. No, devil, no. Another one he does is me compared to me. Me compared to me. What is that? That doesn't make any sense. I need a volunteer. Minister T, you want to help me out? You were here earlier. Okay, go ahead. Take your position. So if he can't get you to compare yourself to somebody else, number, number one, and this was this, a, a good example of this is my mother. When she first started in ministry or before she started in ministry, mom is like one of the best Bible teachers you ever heard. And she's one of those people that can like dig in. You know those people that like dig in, like line upon line, precept upon precept, like can build a case from the ground up. And by the time you're done, you're like, I don't even know that that verse was connected to that verse over there. But wow, that was really, really good. So... Mom is anointed to be a teacher. So churches would call her, and they would say, hey, we want you to come. We want you to come. And she'd be like, no, you, you're mistaken. You don't want me. You want my mom. You want my mom. She is the best. She's so good. She's so anointed. You want her instead. When actually she was walking in a little bit of pride because she, the Lord was trying to open a door for her and she was saying, no, you want somebody else. Why? Because she had compared herself to her mother for so long and the enemy had kept her low and tried to silence her voice. How is he trying to silence your voice by having you compare yourself to somebody else? Now, another tactic that he does is you compared to you. So this is where you are right now. You're living your life in Georgia. You're, you're running your race. You've got your family, your job, your career, doing that which you're supposed to do. But you think everyone, every so often, oh, I should be so much further along than I am right now. Come on, how many have ever thought that? I, my faith should be stronger. I should be able to tackle this. Like this little low-level hiccup, this thing shouldn't have be bothering me so much. I should be so much further along than I actually am right now. So you're standing here at this crossroads, and you see, pretend that's me. I just got taller. And you see where you think you should be. And so you're constantly, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I, my faith, I mean, like, I tithe, but, you know, like, I'm, I should be able to give a lot but more, a lot more than, I, than I am right now. And, and just all these situations that he would tie you up in trying to compare yourself to where you think you should be. Had I not failed at this, that, and the other, I'd be there. Had I, had I not messed up this relationship, maybe I would have messed my, like, I would have met my husband earlier and, 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 and all of this. Me compared to me. When actually the father is saying, quit looking at where you are right now and turn around and realize that this is where you were. And you are so much further. So much further. But if the enemy can keep your eyes low, everybody say low. If he can keep your eyes low, he can keep you focused on the low things and you're not taking care of business. The, uh, the Lord said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As far as the heaven is above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways above yours. So a lot of people think, well, if that is the case, then obviously I can't think like God. No. He also said, you have the mind of Christ. So that means you can think like God. 
I don't care if your mama was crazy. If she had, uh, if you have a DNA in your DNA, you have mental health in your DNA. I don't care if your if your if your grandmother was a worrier and you are the A class most wonderful worrier that ever lived. I don't care if there is a fear that has had crossed on from generation to generation. There, there's one back there. I don't care what the name of it is or the title of it is. You can have the mind of Christ. Just because you think a thought doesn't mean it's your thought. It doesn't mean you're bad for thinking that thought. Just because a thought crosses your mind doesn't mean that you have to identify with that thought. We we see in Ephesians chapter 6 about putting on the full armor of God. We see that there are wiles of the devil. There are fiery darts of the wicked one. And you can get the book, but we, we go into an extensive study of what the wiles and the fiery darts of the, the wicked one are. And we, we come down to they are thoughts, ideas, and suggestions of the enemy. If he can get you in your thought life, he's got a foothold in the door. And he's got a quiver full of these arrows. And he's ready to just shoot them at your head. But they do not become effective until you accept them as truth. Once you accept them as truth and you see it, then you accept accept it as truth. And then you know it. And then you open your mouth and you start to speak it. And that's when your world is then starting to change. Based off the lies of the enemy. The enemy told me that sex equals love. So I went from bed to bed looking for love. Then after I couldn't find love in all these different beds, then I turned around. Well, now I'm washed up. No one's going to use me. Ain't nothing but a hoe. I said hoe in church. All right. (laughs) I said it in front of Pastor Deborah, and she was okay. So you can be okay too. No one's going to want you. You're here. You've given yourself away so many times. You're, you're washed up. You've been raped. You've been molested. You've been bruised. You're, you don't even know how to have a, a healthy relationship. What does a healthy relationship look like? You don't know that. You don't know those things. You're not going to be a good wife. You're not going to be a good mother. I mean, are you even going to be able to be in a marriage and not cheat? Like, is that something you're going to be able to do? You've loved them and left them so many times. Is that something you're going to be able to accomplish? These are the thoughts, the ideas, the suggestions that tried to come. Guess what? We have a father. We have a father who knows all the answers to those questions. Another thing he tries to do is he tries to distract you from that which you've called to do. He tries to shift focus so that you're looking at somebody because he, he, I mean, in my situation, because you thought that this was the good thing when actually it was this way. And he tried to rack focus or shift focus so that you would walk away from the path that God had for you to walk. Because he knows that if you can see it, And you know it, then you speak it, and you can have it. It's it's amazing to me how, thank you, how defeated we feel sometimes even just starting a battle. You know what I mean? But... We're not fighting for victory. Victory has already been bought for us. It's been bought with a price bigger than gold, rubies, precious stones, bigger than anything you could ever comprehend. Victory has been bought and paid for you by the precious blood of Jesus. And when he bought victory for you, he gave you the tools to combat, number one, comparing yourself to somebody else. Number two, comparing yourself to yourself. Number three, having distracted vision or distorted vision. 
He, he gave you the tools to do it. When I was coming out, I thought about dying 200, 300 times a day. How I just wanted to die. How I couldn't deal with the pressure of the anxiety and the fear. And I couldn't, I couldn't please everybody. And I wanted to please everyone. And, and I couldn't deal with it anymore. And it was making me crazy. I said, God, I want out of this. And I knew, because I had gone to Rima, I graduated, I knew, I knew there were things I knew that I wasn't doing. I knew I had to take thoughts captive. And if we had more time, we could talk about that. But I, so how do you take a thought captive? People would say, take your thoughts captive. I say, how the heck do I take a thought captive? Anybody have that thought? You take it captive the same way you received it, and that's with the words of your mouth. So, I would say, and just as an act of my faith, I'd put my hand on my head right here, and I'd say, in the name of Jesus, that's not my thought. I don't accept that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I do not think thoughts of death. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. I have the mind of Christ. And every time that thought would come, you want to kill yourself, you're used up, you're nothing. You might as well just die. No one would cry even at your funeral. All the lies that he tries to tell you. I'd say in the name of Jesus, that is not my thought. I do not think that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I do not think thoughts of death. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. I have the mind of Christ. I was bulldog determined. I was tired of being sad. I was tired of being broke. I was tired of being lonely. In the name of Jesus, that's not my thought. I don't think that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I do not think thoughts of death. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. A hundred, two hundred times a day, turn to a hundred. A hundred to a hundred and fifty. Fifty to ten. Oh, we went backwards. Fifty. Twenty-five. Ten. I grew up in Missouri. That old Missouri education. What was I doing? I had decided to stop being low and start coming up above. If I gave you a present today and it was something that would help you in your everyday life, it would make your life so much easier. It would make your life so much so stress-free and happy and everything would be good. It would be like the best technology thing that ever existed. Like you had Wilson in your house. You know what Wilson is? It's a robot. Anyway. And I said, if you use it, it will change your life forever. But you didn't even turn it on. How would that make me feel, first of all? Well, I don't care too much. In Ephesians chapter 2, we see where it says that when Jesus was raised and seated at the right hand of the Father, you were raised and seated at the right hand of the Father. When he quickened Jesus, he quickened me. There's a seat next to Jesus who's next to the Father with my name on it, written in blood. It says Kylie Oaks Gatewood. And the Father says from that seat, everything changes. Everything changes. So when you come up off of that low place that you've been living, those low thoughts you've been thinking, and you come up and you sit in your seat with your name on it next to Jesus, the nail prints, the, the, the thorn prints, and there's God the Father, and you look down on your situation, and I saw broken Kylie. And I said, no, I'm going to tell Kylie what to think. I didn't trust myself to think, so I'm going to tell her what to think. You're going to think thoughts of life. You're not going to think thoughts of death. You're going to, the blood of Jesus is over you. You're going to rise up and be a success. You're going to be a blessing. And you could do it as much as I can do it. When thoughts of fear or dread or unforgiveness come, you put your hand on your head, everybody, come on. Say, that's not my thought. I don't accept that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I do not think thoughts of death. 
I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. I have the mind of Christ. Now do it, close your eyes, and now do it from a seated position at the right hand of the Father, looking down on your situation, looking down on those low-level devils that are trying to jack with you, looking down on those low-level generational curses that have tried to do the same thing over and over to you. Look down on it and say, no. Now, now y'all, the 11th commandment, thou shalt not be scared of the devil. You yell at your kids louder than you just yell at the devil. Tell the truth. I do. No. Thank you. Let the Lord be magnified. In the name of Jesus. That is not my thought. I don't accept that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I don't think thoughts of death. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. I have the mind of Christ. I think God's thoughts. You know what? The enemy has to flee when you resist him. That's what the word of God says. It says resist the devil and he'll flee. What does that mean? He not fleeing, you're not resisting. My mama said, it also says flee fornication. My mama said, <laughs> mom said, put a little flea powder on that. <laughs> Just put a little flea powder on it. Get out of Dodge. Run like the wind, bullseye. Get up out of there. That was a side note for whoever's fornicating up in here today. <laughs> Where's your hanky when you need one? So, so when you get up in the morning, don't just go right to brush your teeth. Use that bad breath to shame the devil. No, I'm just kidding. When you get up in the morning, the first thing out your mouth is to say, now devil, I'm up. And today, I'm telling you what you can and cannot do. Tell the devil where he can shove it. Y'all's faces are cracking me up right now. He said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, devil, when I wake up this morning, I'm, going to, I'm telling you, I'm having no fear in my life today. I'm having no anxiety in my life today. You're getting your hands off my children, my bank accounts, my savings accounts. You're getting your hand off of everything that pertains to me. You're getting your hands off of my, my, my job, my crabby boss. I'm telling you, there's a new sheriff in town. Say, I resist, and he flees. Just barely start noticing yourself, you comparing yourself to somebody else. Nope, I'm not doing it. There were years and years and years and years and years that I refused to sing. I refused to sing. I wasn't going to sing anymore. Why? Because I want Beyonce. <laughs> but you know who I am? I'm Kylie Gatewood. You know who you are? You're whatever your name is. And there is an anointing in your voice that somebody else doesn't have. And there's an anointing in your story that someone else doesn't have. And there's a power that you possess that can't be used through anybody else but you. And if he can keep you low, he can keep your mouth closed. And if he can keep your mouth closed, he can keep people in bondage. No, you may not be Beyonce. You may not be Olivia Pope. Who else am I going to use today? 
but you're you. And you're who God called you to be for such a time as this. Because Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back for a church that can't seem to stop being afraid of stuff. What if you, if you were claustrophobic and, and, you're, and the Lord called you to go to a country and you had to crawl through a cave? No, I know it sounds far out. But what if? Sorry, God. I'm sure you probably mean somebody else because, as you know, I'm claustrophobic. And he's like, really? No. Or he'd say, Lord, I really, I feel like I'm called to, you know, to be a missionary, but I can't fly, so I'm going to have to paddle boat. <laughs> this didn't come out in the first service, so this is just for you. This is obviously something you need today. No, you know when that fear tries to peep its ugly head, you say, no, in the name of Jesus. That is not my thought. I don't think that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I don't think thoughts of death. I plead the blood of Jesus on my mind. Now where's my ticket? Come on, somebody say fear has no power over me. If you have a fear in your life that you've been, it's been nagging you for a while, you have actually placed that fear over what you think the power of God can do. You don't have to tweet that, but I'm sure it'll change your life. You're saying that 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 thing has more control and more power over you than what the power of God has. And ladies and gentlemen, that should not be so. I refuse to tolerate fear. In my children, that's probably number, one of the number one things that I make sure that they do not tolerate. We, you're not going to do something just because you're afraid to do it. Don't pet fears in your children. Don't coddle fears in your children. Teach your children how to stand on the word of God and say, that's not my thought. I don't accept that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I'm bold as a lion. I'm harmless as a dove. I know you're quiet because you're contemplating all the wonderful nuggets of truth that I am bringing forth today. Rise up, men and women of God. Come from out from among the lowness and take your seat high above. Stand to your feet if you would with me. Let's do it one more time just so you won't forget it. Put your hand on your head. You know, after all of this and then I went through some, some just keep it there, it's all right. I went through um, and got my master's in Christian counseling I found out from a medical doctor that there are pressure points in your forehead that actually help reset your emotion sensors. When mixed with words, it is almost instantaneous that there is a release of pressure or stress or anxiety or fear. I didn't know that. This is just what the Lord had me to do. So you can't fight a thought with a thought, so we say that's not my thought. I don't accept that thought. I only think thoughts of life. I don't think thoughts of death. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. I have the mind of Christ. I'm standing here as a living example that the word of God works. And he's no respecter of persons because I'm Billy Brim's granddaughter or anything in the search. Anything as such, he will do the same for you when you do the word. I feel you can play. Uh, I feel in my heart that there are some people that somehow, somewhere in your life, there was a failure, and that failure, whether it was a failed marriage, a failed business opportunity. Maybe you didn't treat your kids right. 
Maybe you felt like you failed as a parent, and so it's caused certain things to be the way they are right now. Some type of failure. Maybe you cheated on your wife or husband. And that failure has kept you from doing and stepping out and doing what God has called you to do. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. And this will just be the first step. Because the first step is I want to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to make a step in the right direction. And stop the plan of the devil from hindering your life. But then the next step is you doing what you know to do in the word of God and refusing to take on that fear of failure ever again. So it keeps you from stepping out into what he's called you to do. If that's you, I'd ask you to be bold this morning because the Holy Ghost wants to do something special in your life. He wants there to be a change, a shift, a a rotation, a turning of the tables. For what you see now in one year will be different if you do the word. I see a woman who has been so wrapped up in fear and anxiety that she's hardly been able to function. And the Holy Spirit would say to you today, make today a defining moment. Change the course of what you've known. Yes, it may not be the easiest thing you've ever done, but the Lord's going to take up with you. And if and in 365 days from today, you will see an increase on every wave. An increase of favor, an increase of money, an increase and a a bringing together in your relationships, and an increase in your anointing. He's going to use your voice in ways that will surprise you. Maybe even you're a writer and he's going to use you and your hands to write and it will change the course of individuals, situations, and nations. Today, July the 22nd, at 1.24 p.m. is the day that everything changed. Come on, does anybody believe that today? Making a quality decision that today is the day that everything changes. Now, in addition to those that are coming up for the failure situation, If you just want to, as an act of your faith, say today is the day that every single thing changes. I'm not tolerating this mess that's been going on between my ears anymore. I'm not tolerating it. I'm saying no. I want you to come up as well. Because I want you to show God, the angels, the devil, and all his imps that you mean business today. Today is the day that everything changes. You don't have to line them up. You can just let them come up. Today is the day that everything changes. Come on, say that out your mouth. Today is the day that everything changes. Come on, dry out, draw a line in the sand. Quit letting the devil control you and say, Today is the day that everything changes. Today is the day. Today is the day that it changes. <laughs> Today is the day of my freedom. Today is the day lives are broken. Victory, victory, victory. 
enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.